Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, my next guest is a 10-year pro, former world junior champ and WHL and AHL All-Star. He played for the Panthers, Leafs, Kings, and Islanders in the NHL and continues to be involved in the game through podcasts and coaching. He's one of my oldest pals in the game and could score from anywhere on the ice. In junior, our Tri-City versus Spokane rivalry in the Western Hockey League was always vicious, competitive, and entertaining to say the least. Folks, he's got a real great shot and is still pretty hot. He was the man when he played in Spokane. We had to call a plumber in Brainerd one summer. We can always depend on Matt Higgins, our friend. He left home early like me and is from Vernon, B.C. Folks, when Brant Nyers punched me, my face was swollen. And please welcome back. It's Jason Padolin. J-Po, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, man. TR, what's happening? Not much. So tell me how your summer was. You're real busy. Your kids are what coming into form now. What are they? Th- 13, 14? It's the real deal 10. now. Yeah, the oldest is an 09. So this is his WHL draft year. So wow. he's uh, he's chasing that dream. He's trying to follow in dad's footsteps. He's playing for Rink Academy, uh, U15 prep. So out west here, that's kind of the top level you can play. And the uh, my younger one's a 2010. He's a goalie, so he's first year U15 as well, and uh, he's chasing it and loving it. And then my youngest is uh, a 2012. So three boys within kind of three and a half years, and and he's doing really well at U13 right now in his own program team. So yeah, running around chasing them. It's a full time job for sure. And you mentioned so the draft year the draft year is coming up for WHL. So yours, I believe, would have been the first one because I think mine was the second. You made the move to Sherwood Park, Alberta. Was that like myself to get out of the situation I was in? Not that it was real terrible, but I would face way better competition when I left and went to Quinnell. Was that, I mean, I'm guessing that was the thought process. And why Sherwood Park of all places? Being, uh, for those that don't know, he's from Vernon, BC, moved over to Alberta. Yeah, great question. Uh, It was... And technically, you're right. Well, actually, technically, you're wrong. It, my draft year was the second year they had it. It's just that uh, the first year they had it, there were so many guys that had already been listed uh, that it kind of was a mock draft, if you know per se, because you, you could get listed prior. My draft, there was three of us that weren't eligible, myself being one of them. Uh, Travis Clayton was the other one, and Jeff Friesen was the other one. So there's three of us that had already been listed at that point um, and then weren't eligible for that draft. 
Uh, but your draft was the first draft that every single player was available. Like there was nobody that wasn't available for that draft. So um, I was actually going to Sherwood Park as a listed player for the Spokane Chiefs already as a first-year Bantam. Uh, I went there. Well, Vernon was good. Like we just finished winning the Pee Wee Provincials in, in, in Vernon, right? So we had a good program there. Like Matt, you already mentioned Matt Higgins in the intro. He was a first-year Pee Wee that year, and Brad Larson was a first-year Pee Wee that year. We also had Matt Mike Ford that was a first-year Pee Wee. Mike Ford, that year. I played with him the, for a little bit. Yeah, under yeah, 17 he went on and all that. Michigan guy. Yeah. So we had three players and you know from Vernon, which was like 30,000 people at the time playing the NHL on a Pee Wee team. Like that's crazy, right? So yeah. so the hockey was good, but it just it wasn't amazing. And and I wanted the option, at least the opportunity to to try out for midget the next year. So as a first year Bantam, I wanted to try out for the midget program. And um and they wouldn't let me. Like they just flayed out and said, No, you're not going to. And uh and then we were like, well, we thought that it was going to be a bit too maybe easy. Um, and then Sherwood Park was always a team that came in to our uh, to our Pee Wee Carnival tournament. And they were just always really good. And they wore the bulldog cages, like those ones, like the, do you remember those cages? Like they went, they were kind of short. They went up to the top of your chin and they were flat. They, they uh, oh, you're gone. Oh, there you are. Are you okay? Let's see. Are you getting me at all or no? I'm back. Are you back? Okay. Couldn't hear you there from the 408 mark. So you uh, went blank. So I don't know. Like you froze for a little while and then your yeah. and then your screen actually came off. So you did the I, you did the exact same thing to me, and that's never happened before. So let's just keep going. Let's go. Oh, so right they had a good team. They came into Vernon. You saw that they were and they did. The guys I know that were on your team even just that year are WHL legends. Well, Dubinsky, and then so like Dubinsky came in, right? Damon Lankow was on the team that played against us. Like there was really good guys on that team that played us. So I knew that they were good. And I was like, you know what? If we're going to go anywhere, let's maybe try that. So I didn't even know Mike Dubinsky at all. 14 years old. I called him, found his number, however. And I'm like, hey, I wouldn't mind trying out for your team. Can I maybe stay at your house during tryouts? Like it was the most random phone call ever. Um, he says, yeah, let's do it. And uh, And so I ended up going out there. And I remember that training camp, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they had a lot of players on the ice. Everyone was good. And, um, and I remember coming off the ice that like my first, my first tryout skate there. And I said to my dad, I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make this team. And he laughed at me because obviously it looked different than how it felt for me. And I ended up like leading that, that league in points. You I may mean, I say that, you know, I mean, that was just the way it worked out, but I mean, it just yeah, felt so different. You know what I mean? Like it felt I'd so different. I've heard about it, Yeah. And uh, and that was a fun, that was a blast. I mean, I I still have good buddies from that team. We had an amazing team that year, like amazing for a Bantam level team. I think we had 15 players off a Bantam team that played in the WHL, and I think five guys went to uh, the NHL from that team. My my good buddy, Junior Mark Hurley, was on that team, no? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Hurls was on that team. Uh, Brad Symes was on that team. Rest (sighs) in peace. Uh, uh, Both Lankel brothers, Scott and, uh, and Damon, were on that team. Nolan Pratt was on that team, uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Mike Dubinsky, third rounder to the to the Canucks, was on that team. Anyways, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's tons of guys that were on that squad there. Wow, that is interesting. So now, when you went over for that year, then the next year, then you still had another year. So did you play? Yeah, I had another years? year. Did you play? I had another years? year. Most of us went on though. Like Dubber went and played midget and Truett Park. Um, you know, some guys made that jump. I went back to BC and played for the Penticton Panthers with Paul Correa. So I played yes. in the BCJ as a 15-year-old that next season. And 
I don't know. Like looking back on that, like uh, it was good. Like I scored twenty that year. I mean, which is obviously really good as a, as a fifteen year old and yeah. and was a contributing member. But like, whatever. There's twenty one year olds on the ice, and you know, it might. I don't know. Like looking back now, and what I do is, you know, get, getting guys, you know, develop players to be the best that they can be. Um, it might have been better to maybe go play midget or something and maybe like really light it up, but I don't know, whatever. I mean, it, it was cool. I got to be on the ice with Paul Korea every day. Like, I mean, that was, that was an, an adventure all of its own to see him uh, practice all the time. And, uh, and I mean, it was obviously a really good league too. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to be there and particularly treating me good as well. Well, you know, you did end up going, so you went 31st, I believe, right? This is memory, but yeah. I, I believe, I mean, that's a first round pick today. Right, yeah. so it did. I mean, you you could speculate all you want. It was a different time. I I, I went through that too, man. My both Bantam years. I'm up in Quinell, like so. And, and I know it wasn't for everybody. I look at it and go, man. Most kids my age. I'm I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but there was a lot to navigate. It wasn't just the size and everything. It was it was, you know, the game was different. It was more physical and everything. That that was the biggest thing. But Poe's yeah. off the ice, off the. I mean, guys were smoking in the room back then. There was right? beers. There was. <laughs> You know, I just saw today, Hockey Canada, you can't even, they said, from midget down, from minor hockey, um, you can't, you got to go to the rink with at least your Under Armour on. You, you what a joke. Play. That's such it's a just, joke. It's just a weird kind of rule. Oh, it's man. so weird, man. They make it weirder. Like, it's not weird until you make it weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're making it weird. Like, I don't know. It weird. They're trying to, like, I don't know if that is trying to compensate for some outlying things that happen with the world junior team i mean not yours but you know there's things out there but i mean i, I don't know is this the way you because in my neither is related to each other i guess is, yeah. is taking your clothes off now like a sexual act or i, I don't know like you're talking right. about minor hockey i don't remember people complaining about this you know mo most things i don't know fighting in hockey no matter what side you're on there are there's a debate i don't remember anybody in the last in recent memory complaining about a dressing room, do you? Well, I, I did no, but I, I'm still in the youth hockey system as a coach and stuff, right? And I and I see it, and and, and I have three boys, as we already discussed. So, like, I, I I've talked to them about like how they don't shower, you know, like like till much later, right? Like we would shower, I think maybe even in Adam, like, oh yeah, Pee Wee, right? Like Pee -wee all for the sure. time, like the whole team, yeah. right, naked, showering. You know what I mean? Like, it was just yeah. completely normal. Like now these guys don't even like. And, and I think they're maybe starting now at Bantam. And that's even like maybe they choose – and obviously do whatever the hell you want. I just think that it's gotten so weird in the fact of like how that is, right? Like to your point, like it was just what you did, right? Like you showered because you wanted to be clean and not stink. It just made sense. Really? Right? Nothing else came into the equation whatsoever. Yeah, so like you didn't even think about anything else. Like why would you? And uh, – and now, like, making a rule about it seems so weird to me. It, like, yeah, it puts it under a magnifying weird. glass. It looks like, geez, they must have had a lot of problems. I'm not saying now that there weren't – but, but not, never in my experience, like, putting your gear on before the game. Of course, there are instances that are loosely, I guess, you could make a relation, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know no. of one. Um, but just – and merely, you know what, whatever side of the fence you're on with that, I'm merely pointing out – the difference. I mean, now that rule came out today, and like I said, when you and I were that age playing, like junior, like, you know, no one acclimatized to my point of view. I had to just, that's it. Like, I'm in a junior dressing room. You know, you don't have to worry about my wants and needs here. It's you guys yeah. are running the show, and I'm going to have to adapt. Right? That's the way it seemed to me. But now, then again, if you could do it, look. try to look at 
I look at my first camp in the dub, and there was other great players my age. Were B.J. Young. You know, I'll bring that up. He was a great player. I come in, he's the second-round pick. I'm the first. But by the time I got to the Western League, I mean, I knew Brendan Witt was a big fucking scary guy that could hit. But it didn't quite scare me as much as the other Bantams coming in because I just played a year. Like, think of the guys that you played against that year. In the, right. in the in the BCJ, I mean, there was big, grown men with beards playing. Yeah. And, you know, you go in, Spoke, the Boone Street Burn, one of the craziest places in the WHL history. Yet, for you, it was you had a little step up on the other people coming in that age. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, definitely from a culture standpoint, I think maybe that was even more of a benefit than the hockey side, or equally. I mean, I think equally. that should be definitely pointed for out equally, because... Yeah. Yeah, you mean you're going, you mean I was out around beers and drinking beers, and I'm not saying this is a, a proper thing, but like to have that little bit of your toe in the water from a BCJHL standpoint and then almost feel like you're not essentially a rookie as a 16-year-old, right, yeah. because you've kind of been there. Um, yeah, I think that helped me fit in with the boys a little bit better. It made me mature a little bit more, and uh, and yeah, and probably got me more comfortable on the ice too. Because I mean, there's no comparison between the BCJ and the midget program or a bantam program, right? Yeah, I think it did. Like, if I look back, made me more comfortable. I, I was even. I remember being in camp at 16, and I'm in on the conversation. Guys like Jason Bowen, I know Todd Classen, mm -hmm. RIP. They're in the room talking about, like, junior the year before and guys that were coming. I'm like, oh, yeah, I played against him. Oh, yeah, Rob Bell, he was on my team. You know, I'm talking about these players. And, like, BJ came in from, like, Anchorage Bantam. Like, he had, he had no friends, not, no talking points, nothing in common. Never yeah. really threw a hard hit. Never fought, you know. It's yeah. completely, uh, it was almost um, eye-opening. But for me, it worked. Now, I want to know what other sports you played growing up. You seem like an athlete. Yeah, I didn't play. I mean, it's kind of ironic. So you you we you wanted to speak a little earlier today. So I got a program here. I, I just call it my Upline Hockey Academy. So I take grades four through seven on Wednesday mornings. Uh, they're all hockey players. They're all competitive hockey players and, and good ones in their own right. Uh, so I get them on the ice for an hour and a half, and then I introduce them to two other things with different coaches every morning. So like and I do it in, in groups of six sessions. So like today was our second session of doing football and rugby. For an hour each, we go out to the track. This is after our 90 minutes of hockey. Uh, the boys get exposed to, you know, contact, throwing a football, obviously the rules of the game. They get to run around and, and, and be little boys and have a blast. And, and to me, like that's burning from your question is like I 100% believe that athleticism makes you a better hockey player mm -hmm. and the exposure to these different sports not only make I mean probably prevents injuries you know does better things for your brain I mean all kinds of things I think there's benefits around that especially at the younger ages so to answer your question for me personally I played everything you know I, I played baseball I played basketball I played volleyball I, anything in, in uh, I did track uh, rugby you know you name it I would do it uh, until we got to the age where we kind of couldn't, right? It, it happened a little bit later, the specialization, um, than it does now. Uh, but probably around 13, 14, I couldn't play, you know, real competitive ball anymore. I couldn't play soccer anymore. I mean, we were doing hockey for, for the most part. Uh, but yeah, growing up like elementary and into probably just early high school, I was doing whatever I could. You just mentioned up my hockey. So you've got a program. I know this has always been like, I, I know you've been running up my hockey for a few years, but it's graduated to this point. You didn't start taking so many kids 
in the mornings, did you? And is this the mornings? This is I'm, I'm trying to think. This is Wednesday. What do you guys start yeah, school Wednesday. late so out there? So it's a half. It's just a half day program. So the kid, the parents, like it's not it's not uh, sanctioned from the school. Let's say it's just like it's it's you want to pull your kid out of school for a half day in the middle of the week and and send them to me, then you do it. You know, and you work it out with your teacher. So it's not like they're getting school credits for me. Easier um, for you. You don't have to affiliate all. Yeah, that. it's way easier. And plus, so you mean and, and, all those and, not that I. I have no beef with the school system, but like elementary school is, it's pretty slack these days. And, and the PE side of it is definitely like massively lacking in my opinion. So, I mean, the fact that you can get these guys out, obviously, uh, you know, athleticism and and athletics uh, is something that they're passionate about. So give them an environment where they can go do it. I mean, you're almost not allowed to try in school anymore or to play too hard or, you know, how, how, how the whole the whole environment goes right now. So yeah, I, I just supply them an outlet. It's sort of, I mean, as far as up my hockey goes, TR, it's like I have on the ground things that happen in Vernon, like for the local area kids, that's definitely part of up my hockey. I got a spring program. I got summer programs. I do some stuff during the season. Uh, but then there's also the side of it. That's the podcast. And then also like the side that where I work with players all over North America is the mindset side and the mindset programs that I have and stuff like that. Fucking interesting, man. Good luck. You keep growing, and uh, I guess you don't need much luck. You're a hard worker, but you know what I mean. Ed Jovanovsky, I'm curious. I never asked yes. you about it, and he's an intriguing figure to me because I, I believe Ed went first overall um, a year before me. Always, like, huge hitter. Was, like, way underrated offensively. Ended up having a great career. I remember at the beginning, a lot of people were down on him, said he's not going to be projected into the first-round pick, we thought, and I think he got sent back to junior even for a little bit. But you played with him on the World Juniors and then on Florida. I've always thought he was a great D. It's funny, someone asked the other day, have you ever heard of that guy, Jovanovski? I'm like, heard of? How is his name falling from the hockey world so quick? This He, I, he retired a great player. I, I just remembered all things positive about Jovanovski. How was it to play with him? Well, give me the inside scoop. Well, he, he's he's falling from grace for some reason. Well, I don't mean falling from grace. I just mean like he he's kind of he didn't retire that long ago, and I think he's underrated in the in the annals oh. of hockey history. I gotcha. think he's underrated. I could say Chris Pronger. I mean Pronger though is probably is better. I mean he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. <laughs> you know, kind of almost transcended the game. But I mean, in those conversations, I'll often hear Al McInnes. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously Lidstrom. But, you know, you'll hear Sheldon Surrey, our buddy, or, you know, there's names that still come up. And I yeah. find, you know, because I, I just stopped playing senior hockey, so I still skate with the boys when they have practices yeah. and stuff. And I'm just saying, when in the room, I heard people talking about him. A couple of people didn't know who he was. I'm like, Jesus, he didn't retire that long ago. He's one oh, of the best defensemen of his era. So that, yeah, I, yeah. maybe underrated is the way to put it. Right. Yeah, well, I think in his prime... You know, and again, I, you know how it was back when we played, like there, there was no hockey DB or elite prospects. So once you sort of left the team, you know, you weren't, there was no place to really connect to see what was going on. But like, I do know, I mean, he played, he played in an Olympic, didn't he? Like, I think he made the world cup team a few, like he was one of the top D men for, for, uh, for a span of time. And, uh, I mean, you won a, you won a world junior with him, didn't you? He was a year before me, so he played oh, as a, I see. yeah. He played as an eighteen-year-old, and then uh, and then left, and then I played the next year. So I never played with him there, but I went obviously to camps. We were the same draft year, so um, so I was around him a lot. Like every Florida camp I was at for the first, I guess, three or f- three years. I guess yeah, we were Florida. there together. Um, when I played as a as a twenty-year-old, you know, what I mean, he was already there, right? As a because he played yeah. at eighteen, so he played right out. So he was a three-year vet by the time I got there but we were still the same age. So, you know, I definitely, 
you know, have have uh, have experiences with him. And he, I think, I mean, I, the one thing you didn't mention, I don't know if people ne- generally know this at all. People don't even know that he played. Was the fact that he didn't start playing hockey till he was twelve years old. It's, it's. He, I don't never know played. any other. It's incredible. I like. I think it's almost 12, he went impossible. From not playing at twelve to being the best eighteen-year-old on the planet six years later. Like that's nuts. It's and not and and not only that, that's crazy in itself. But the kind of player he went to be like to in order to hit like that, you got to have great balance. Yeah. And when people wonder, they ask me I, the, the the reason I find it so crazy because like you can run, like you got to one up. If you just you can learn football, I, I still think it would be crazy to start at twelve, but not as impossible sounding as the NHL. If you're not in organized hockey, you can't be as good enough skater as everybody else. I don't care how many general skates you go to, and <laughs> and then to become such a good hitter, right? Where which requires great skating in its own right. Is yeah. fucking impossible. Who would have been the biggest hitter then? Remember Brendan Witt, Michael Sikora? He was a good one. Who would have been the biggest hitters you came across? Oh, geez. Well, yeah, I mean, Joe, I like, I mean, Joe, I would know if he was the biggest, biggest hitter, but like he did hit and he was, and he would fight anyone and he yeah. was mean and he was all those things you'd want on a guy that you played with and not against, right? I mean, really, in a nutshell, like that's what I think made him great. And, and to your point about his offense, I mean, his offense was 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 plenty good enough. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a best of in that category. That's why I think he was never really a number one. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's when people yeah. maybe talk about him being. I mean, he wasn't a bust. He was first overall, but he wasn't a number one perennial leading your team in points defensively. He was just a solid, solid number two, three. That was a ri- massive pain in your ass to play against, right? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as but as far as big hitters, pound for pound, wasn't Danny Markov one of the best hitters you'd ever saw? God, Danny Markov, yeah. If you just it, the thing about him, it was his like on ice awareness because like I'm a winger coming out of the zone and getting that pass from behind the net and like breaking out. If you 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 really know how to handle that as a winger, like I, I found it just a big transition and. I, I spent time working on that, like because because if you if you don't look at all, and the defenseman can pick up on that, and a guy like that or or Fanuf or you know all all kinds of players, if, if if they see that, it's like a shark, like a predator with prey, and they'll start coming in. And Markov every fucking time, every time I'd give him a look, I'd go back to get, and if there was a, a fucking fraction of a second, a morsel of time that he could catch me, he would do it, and I. I never fought him or anything. He was good at it. He never, I don't think he fucking, he, he, he dirty hit me once, but he wallpapered me at least 10 times. That's the, well, I mean, we're in the same division playing against each other. Yeah. That is a great example and smoked a pack a day. Yeah, he did. And his teeth show it too. I love that guy. He's fantastic. He would smoke, remember outside the bus? <laughs> Oh, he would smoke during the game. Like he was one of the. He was like the. He was like the modern day Guy Lafleur. He'd go out between periods and puff one out by the. He always knew where the Zamboni doors were. That's where he always end up smoking, over by the Zamboni. It was hilarious. Just he was great. A yeah. Chewed Just great. during the game. Like he was like so old school. You'd never believe how old. Actually, I'm gonna try and get him on my pod. I've been riding him for a while. I think he'd be such a fun interview. But yeah, I mean, he was fantastic, pound for pound. I like the little guys. Like that other guy from. Uh, why am I drawing a blank in his name? But he was not a monster either on D. But who was who was that guy on D that uh why am in I the Western League? Blank? He would blow Cronwall, Nicholas Cronwall. Oh would god, Jesus. Blow Christ. guys up. Blow yeah. guys up. And I think that's like for me, 
And those are the ones that actually hurt. And that's where the timing needs to be impeccable and everything totally. needs to be perfect. This is the open ice hits. Like those guys that open can ice. do that consistently were lethal. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it on the boards. Like there was, and it's usually, like I said, the open ice for us forwards coming out of the zone. It's always a D. Everybody we've mentioned is D. I remember Clark Wilm being a great hitter. I remember Chad Beagle. I don't even know if Chad got drafted, but it's Swift Current. Like there was guys running around, but you could always like bounce. You could use the boards. It was yeah. like the lesser of two evils, but I don't yeah. want to get the puck and get hit with my head down with Brendan Witt. No. Um, speaking of pests to play against, Corey Perry. Now, I saw him get a nice – he's on the power play with Bedard at least. I think he's Wasn't playing Wasn't that with gorgeous? Him. So how many points do you think he gets this year? Corey Perry, 12, 12 goals last year, 13 assists, 25 points, 81 games. You know, he didn't play that much. He was on the power play in front of the net here and there. Uh, do you think Corey Perry, even though he's aging, now that he's going to get a bit of time, and I don't really think it's about winning and losing. It's definitely not. It's about Connor Bedard and his maturation more than anything, I believe – um, so do you think Perry plays with them all year? And if so, how many points do they both get? Isn't that a great question? People, I've been seeing that coming up. Like, so Corey Perry, I don't know, I'm, I'm a Corey Perry fan. You, you have to remember that this guy won a rocket right in a heart, you know, like he's, he can score, you know, like he's really, yeah. really good at it. And he's evolved his game to be a guy that can just, you know, not do it with his wheels at all. And now he's a net front presence and that's where he gets the majority of him. just like last night. I mean, he's three yeah. feet out in front of the net and that's, he never shoots the puck farther than five feet to score a goal anymore. And that's fine. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I see him having a better year than last year from the goal department. Actually, I think he's probably, I don't think he gets 20, but I think he's more than 12. I think he's probably, you know, in that high teens mark. Um, yeah. uh, so I think that he's going to – just because of who he is, and I think because they don't have that many other options. And I think that the, when you give young kids – and I don't mean Connor Bedard in this, in this equation, but we, when you give everyone too much opportunity too early, it, it kind of can go down the wrong path. you know. Yeah, so I, I think that they do need those elder statesmen to kind of take that lead and be on the first PP. And so I think he's going to probably establish himself in, in that spot. And um, as far as Connor, like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Like when you look at 18 year olds in the league historically, right? Like there's only been a couple that have got a hundred points. There's only been a couple that have scored 40 and, um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's fantastic, but he's playing on a crap team. He's got some support. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a big Connor Bedard fan, but I don't, I don't think he gets a hundred. I don't think he gets 40 either. I think he's in the 30 goal range. I, I think he's somewhere th between 30 and, and 40, and I think he's probably in the 80-point group. Maybe it's the 70, most fascinating question in hockey, I think. I yeah. It's just – it's so it's, – because it's, it's, of his size, I think a lot of people, and maybe subconsciously myself, don't want to put him with – I'm trying to think now. The generational players since I've been alive, you know, outside of Gretzky and everything, let's say the 90s, you know, I'm, I'm talking Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Eric Lindros. Am I missing one of, of that – level that played world junior at like 16 that like led the league by like 8 million kajillion points. I'm only thinking those three Crosby, McDavid, sorry, Lindros. So I know he's different, but he's as hyped as any of them. He had an astronomical amount of points last year. I'm going to go 40 plus and 80 plus. I know it's, it's, it's part of me is just the hockey fan, the Canadian in me wanting to see it happen. I think the stretch there is the 40 goals, but anyway, I'm going to hope well, you for, think, for is no he better than, like, and, and that's sort of where I, where I'm coming at this from. Like Mario played in a, 
in a bit of a different era, of course, right? Mid eighties where goals were yeah. up. He's one of the best. I think he's the best player to ever play. Yeah. And I, he I had 40 and 60. He got a hundred points. Yeah. Okay. On a last yeah, place team. So, I mean, Chicago's last place too. I don't think Bedard is as like, can be as individually dominant as Mario was. No, you know, Crosby fuck. And I would I would included Lemieux. It was just before where I was, Jesus, yeah. I'd include him. He's fucking deadly. Arguably the best ever, man. Like, I, I love so, like that hundred. Right. I mean, if he gets, I mean, I, again, like I, all the power to him. Like I think he's brilliant. Like he's so fun to watch. I kind of had a little bit of my own reservations, thinking that I thought World Junior would show something. Like I thought that maybe he was a little bit too individual when I watched him in the uh, in the WHL. Like I and I thought yeah. maybe he didn't actually have a great hockey IQ. Like boy, did that was I proven wrong in in watching him in World Junior. Like that guy sees the ice incredibly well, and his hockey IQ is actually through the roof. So like. I mean, I think he's got he's got there's so much to his game that's so dynamic and obviously he's a Western Canadian kid, which I love. I think that's cool. You know, I'd I'd love to I'd love to see him do fantastic, but we gotta remember like it's a it's a tough league to score goals in. Like really tough. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I know. It's why it's intriguing. Every every time I say that, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets twenty one. I mean, and there are other rookies out there, like, you know, that are gonna be like, I don't know. What if the goalie for Buffalo is it Levi? What if he goes in and and, and is lights out? I mean, you know, there's not only one rookie here. Yeah. Um, I don't think Tilly is not playing. Like nobody's really talked about him. Like I know, I don't know why. I don't know why because he's he's, he's there. a beast. He's a fucking beast. And then you got the, isn't that Cooley coming in? I don't think he got his games last year, did he? Yeah, Logan Cooley. Cooley. He's still eligible as far as the rookie of the year. Should be a good class this year, you know for sure. Do you remember both of your goals at the World Juniors? Yeah. Wow. How to so explain them? I've never asked you that question. They were, um, I'm kind of thinking, so it was only two, hey, but if it was only two, then I remember both of them. Yeah. And it was against. Well, you might've uh, had another one and it, it says two goals, three assists, six games. Solid. Oh, okay. Yeah. So solid, they were both I, I don't know. Russia. You, you I mean, might've played a playoff game and had another one. I don't know. No, they were actually, um, it was my world junior year was the first year that they went from that old format of the round Robin to the playoff system. Oh, so, yeah. so they, and I guess, you I mean, just for the listeners of those that didn't know, like it would just be all seven teams or whoever were there would play six games. And then whoever had the best record at the end of it would win the gold medal. So it was like super anticlimactic at sometimes and sometimes it, it wasn't, but that was the system forever. And then my year in 96, they went to the two pools and then they went to a, you know, a semifinal final scenario. And so my two goals were in the semifinal game against Russia. We beat them, I think, four two, and I scored. Fuck. Uh, I scored two that game, so it was obviously a great. Like for me, I, I kind of had a monkey on my back up to that point. The round robin wasn't going great. Like my line was doing okay, but personally, I, I, you know what? You'll love this, Tr. So I, I show up at that tournament without any sticks. They couldn't find my sticks. It was back in the old era, right? I didn't have any, any like not one twig. And so I show up and I have to use uh, Craig Mills's Coho Revolution, which was awful, but it was like the what? closest thing that I could find to like what I wanted to use. And yeah. anyways, I was a super particular guy with my sticks, but I, I was using Millsy stick the entire tournament. So I was having a hard time with my shot and, you know, I mean, whatever, right? Like you're on, you're uncomfortable, right? And then you're, on, you're on this world junior stage and things weren't going great for me personally in the, in the round robin. And then, and then I got those two big goals against Russia and like was really obviously helped us win that game and get to the gold medal final. And so, um, for me, like obviously, a feeling like you contributed in a in a really big moment in a really big game was something that was memorable for me. And uh, 
and yeah, I really uh, well. And they're both kind of one was to answer your question. One was uh, a rebound goal back door that came out to me. That was I think the one that put us up one nothing maybe or tied the game. And then I had one coming down the wing that I pulled it and shot through the defenseman and, and snuck it seven hole under the, the oh. Russian goalie's arm and it went in. Classic. I've seen that goal. That was you would do that, spoke against Tri City, and everybody knew it was coming, and you would come down the wrong <laughs> wing and then pull it in and take that shot, and everybody knew it was coming and you would still score. We had some uh, incredible rivalries back then. And uh, do you still have your world junior ring? Uh, ring, yeah, I got the ring. Um, you I think wear the jersey, it? you can see in the background. So that's uh, if you there, that one there, that's the gold medal uh, jersey that I wore that game. And yeah, I do, I do have the ring somewhere. Um, I wear it usually during the week. Like I'll bring it out and I'll put it on I'm for glad. the week of the tournament. I'm glad you wear it. A lot of people don't wear it. I don't see the point. I'm like, I wanted, you know, I, I'll I'll get one in. I won a Masters ball hockey a month ago. I'll get one and wear that proudly. Like I got a bunch there. And I make sure to wear them all. Not every day, of course. That's a little bit yeah. pretentious, but but you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'll I'll habitually wear them, and, and it's it's certainly a level of consistency. I don't go a week or two without. And uh, you know they're hard enough to win, man. And you yeah. sit there and you put so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. I figure, why not? But I know a lot of people that don't. So good for you. Yeah, why yeah I can kind of understand both sides of it. Like for me, when I started, it did stay in the box for like ever, and then when I actually got back working with the kids again at the minor hockey level and yeah they want to realize see it. like it's cool right for them to see that you know what i mean it's like they want to be able to see it and touch it and then and then you kind of get like for me it's a little bit of nostalgic just as far as the alumni is concerned and like supporting the current group right so it's like okay i'm going to bring this out you know i mean you, you kind of put on your uh be a fan for a little while right and and, and yeah. uh reconnect with with your journey through it and i think i mean on all levels i kind of think it's just healthy to keep it more more relevant than more dust you know I totally uh, agree with you. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, the crown is yours. Again, that's promo code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So I want to know this. I guess it's hard to say your favorite, but do you have a bird dog story that stands out? Folks, that's number 28 on the St. John's Maple Leafs, the last he played, last team he played Have on. you asked everybody One that's played buddies. with him that question? 
Yeah, a few times over. Like he always comes up. The, the the people I have on from our era, it's hard. You're never three contacts away from Bird Dog, right? Or or right. what do they say about Kevin Bacon? It's even crazier in the hockey yeah. world, especially during that time. So Did for those that one, don't you know, can you tell can look me it up. like what's the favorite one you've heard of Bird Dog? That's not well, yours. My, the, fav- the my favorite that ever that I saw with my own eyes. Um, we were playing St. John's. The playoffs. I just told some of this story on Chicklets. <laughs> I think you're going to tell me the one. And yeah, I just I came. We just got off the ice from pregame, like skate in the morning, and Dave Morissette came in and said, "Bird dog, he's going crazy. He's going crazy." Just what the fuck's he doing? What do you mean? So I was taking off my skates. So I just I think I pulled them off and like went out with half my gear on. A couple of people in the room ran out, and he was on our ice. So I guess. It said that practice for us was till 10, and I guess it was like 10.08. Now it was till 10.15, but he didn't know that. And he came on, nor did he give a fuck about it. He came on our ice and started grabbing pucks and shooting them at our players. And, like, I went out, Roly Melanson was in the slot, and he, like, moved, and puck came up and fucking hit his stick, knocked it out of his hands. Good thing it didn't hit him. And then he just started chucking him. I, he, he, no questions asked, looked, started slapping shots, not like as warning signs, right at us. And we kind of went down. He was screaming. We he was screaming. I was standing right beside yeah. him. Oh, yeah. You were there. there. Fuck, you I were there. there. G- Jesus. Yeah, he was f- fucking winging them. And then the he puck, I could just look up time. and they were going right off the home sign, like at our bench. Boom, boom. It was like we were in war and in a trench. I was like, this is fucking nuts. And I turned around and we. Just, I said, we, boys are like, what are you going to do? I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going back in the room. What do you want me to do? What the <laughs> hell am I going to do? There's a madman out there, a grown man with a beard and a fucking vendetta. And it's taking slap shots at me like he's got a gun. I'm not going to do anything about it. Do I get five minutes for fighting at least? No. Fucking no thank you. Anyway, I'll do it during the game. I'm not doing it right now. I'm not starting a street fight with this madman. Oh, anyway, God. that's probably, probably like just as far as crazy shit that, and there was a lot of them, but for me, that's definitely He was definitely screaming the, the whole memorable. time, get off our ice. Get off our fucking ice. And he'd slam another one down there. Oh, my God. I was, like, right there. It was the most ridiculous display I've ever seen. It was, I fucking I mean, forgot you were – I mean, I knew you were on the Leafs. I thought you were gone by that point. It was the one yeah. year you were gone and one year – yeah. Yeah, um, no, I, I can totally corroborate that story from the other side. Fuck, that yeah, that was happened. fucking nuts. Yeah. What yeah, about he you? Was, uh, yeah, man, and there were so many – like, you must have heard about his his uh, his resume, right? I, I, I had a copy of it. It's down to my dad somewhere. That was back in the old VHS days. So he would bring it on the road trips and he called it bird dog's resume. And so the boys would ask for it. Hey, bird dog, throw in your resume. So he would throw this, he would throw this tape on yeah. and it was the most ridiculous shit you would ever have seen. Like ever. You mean the, the, the one that stands out and I'm sure there's a million other ones, but he was, he was in the penalty box. I know exactly the one you're going to say. Cause it's the one that stands out to me. Please yeah, tell. How could it not? How could it Please, not yeah. stand out? He's, he's in the penalty box. And so, and just from a goal scorer side, I'm sure you were that guy. Like I would want to serve like a too many men on the ice penalty, like for my team, yeah. because I generally wasn't a peak air, but I love the opportunity of maybe coming out of the box and getting a breakaway, right? Like yeah. maybe that would happen. Didn't happen all the time, but when it did, you, you get another goal, maybe up on the, up on the sheet. And anyways, yeah. bird dog was in the box. I'm sure he wasn't serving a, a serving a too many men, on the ice penalty. I'm sure he deserved to be in there, but he comes <laughs> out and he gets a breakaway. And, and so he's on the breakaway. He makes no attempt whatsoever to deke, to shoot, to do anything. He leaves the puck and absolutely destroys the goaltender with a cross check over top into the net of the crossbar. 
and then just turns around and like faces everybody. He just wants a piece of whoever's going to come. Fucking man, he's playing for the Halifax Citadels when he did that. <laughs> I fucking remember. It was the crazy. The whole resume is nuts. I mean, he jumps into the bench feet first. He's throwing water bottles. He's ripping down banners. But this is the craziest thing. I just couldn't believe it. It would be. I I wouldn't know when you say like today's NHL like. That wasn't even a hockey play. That was just madness. And I, I don't know. He would get I don't know four years. Like I don't know. Like, yeah. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a five minute penalty like it was. Yeah. He chased people <laughs> down hallways and how in Hamilton. I remember him chasing people down hallways and like having to get like physically restrained from security guards. He threw. He threw every single stick. Like I mean, yeah, he didn't. I mean, for on ice stuff, like the list sort of. It goes on and on. I believe, and I might be wrong on this, that he was the most suspended yeah. player in AHL history, I, I believe. You know and what? You are right. That, and that was It was in the hockey news. Right? I know you said we used to get the hockey news. That's in my yeah. mind because I remember being at the back of the bus, and that's what we would do, get the hockey news, kind of look forward to it. It killed some time. And go yeah. over all the stats and everything. But at the very beginning of the hockey news, there was five pros and five cons. Remember to be like good, the bad, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. It was like Greg Smith becomes the most suspended man in all of pro hockey history. I remember reading that <laughs> as we were getting ready to play you guys. I was like, "Fuck!" Well, of all the divisions and all the times for me to be playing, I'm in yeah. Bird Dogs division. Well, because the thing is, like, so we mentioned like Ed, right, Jovanovski, or maybe you go in the NHL like a Scott Stevens. Like you knew where they were, right? Like you knew where they were, yeah. and, and maybe they wanted to hit to hurt, but they weren't crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that, they weren't nuts. Whereas, like Bird Dog at practice, like you legitimately didn't want to beat him one on one because yeah. he may turn around and slash you in the face. Like yeah. that would that would definitely happen, and and it has happened. And and as an opposing player on another team, like you really had to be cognizant of your life. And I'm not yeah. saying that I'm not saying that in any type of exaggeration because I've seen him try to ruin people's careers like legitimately. And, Dude, yeah. and when you bring that element of crazy into an already tough game and you have a weapon in your hand, like and, and, and being as as big as he was and as strong as he was like, I mean, I was so happy he was a teammate of mine. And I was also so happy that he liked me um, because yeah. if you're on the wrong side of any one of those equations, it was not a fun experience for you. People tell me, like, I, I played against him in that division, and, like, he hit me so much, like, and, and, and we didn't fight, and, and he, but he, he whacked me, he hacked me, but I, I say to people, they're like, man, he's relentless. I go, no, he likes me, though. He's not hurting me, right? Do you, do you understand what the difference is? If I go around him and he just slashes me and takes a two, that's one thing. But I was in Portland one time when I saw J.P. Dumont go around him, put it through his legs and get it at the other side, and J.P. got a cross-check right in the face. I've never seen a more visceral well outside of Dale losing his eye okay just on a normal on anything other than that this was crazy he just went over and Dubon merely went around him right through the legs got it at the other side scored and like did this really minor level pump but he did pump his pump his fist while he was going by and then bird being the predator that he is uh he he, he was gonna chop him you could see it but he was like getting out of the play and he might not have got a good chop so he waited, and then sure, we all knew we were there early, right? Because you guys would often play, and then we would be playing the next night. It happened in Hamilton one night too. He went after Rogi Vashan's mother or something in the, or his father in the in the, in the alumni room. It was something. You were crazy. at that. I was going to say, like, remember that? So you you were. I was on. I was that. That was one of the grossest things I've ever seen. And I was playing with him when that happened. He cross checked him in the face, 
And okay, then when he was on the ice with his face towards the ice, he cross-checked the back of his head yeah. into the ice and like laid on him. Like it was, yeah, that was that was pretty nasty. Like he would have been gone a long time. I don't know if he got suspended for that even at all, but like he would be gone a long time for that See, yeah, today. He was the most suspended man ever, and I don't even know. Like all these things we're saying are from the same seasons he kept playing. Yeah. Like he couldn't have been <laughs> suspended. That what I saw, it was crazy. It was it was just I don't know. Compare anything you've seen in the last few years and multiply it by a hundred. Right? Yeah. It, it was nuts. It was someone trying to hurt the other person. If yeah. you were at war and you didn't have a gun or a knife, this is the most <laughs> that you could do with a piece of wood, right? Uh, <laughs> um, you know what? I mean, and people are probably listening. Like, I, I don't. He was such a. I don't even know what the right word was for him. Like, there, there is a big, really nice human being inside a that big heart. Too. Yeah. yeah, you know, he had a big heart. He, I mean, I would never call him like he wasn't warm, but I don't know. Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, you try and describe him. Like, I'd love, I'd love to have a a, a screenwriter do a character of of him. You know, like what, like there, there was definitely some dynamics there. He wasn't all psycho, but there was definitely psycho in there. Yeah. And, uh, well, he would he would do anything to be a teammate and be successful. It was his job. He knew he what he was good at. He was just an extremist. I'm tough. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna chop you over the fucking head. Yeah. Right. Well, he ripped. Um, I might have. I can't remember. I've told this story on some podcast before, but um, he loved the VLTs. I guess. I mean, not not many people didn't over there in Newfoundland playing those video games right after yeah. uh, after games. And he was up, uh, not green sleeves, the one just down from there. I guess it doesn't matter where he was, but he was in this other little watering hole that we'd go to after games. And he was up. Alan Logger. What's that? The Alan Logger. I think it was the Alan Logger. Yeah. Yeah, so it the was. Alan Logger. And uh, and so he's at the bar, and again, like. There was guys on my team that he didn't like, and he, and he definitely made that known. And there was I was there was guys that he did like. And you know, I was kind of part of me and Gilly and him, and you know, there was some guys that would would get along okay. And he liked Thority and and uh, and DJ. Anyways, there was a few of us there that that he uh, he would yeah. be nice to as, as being an older guy to us younger guys. And and I walked in and I started playing this. I played this VLT right. I kind of gave Bird a nod when I walked in. I'm playing this VLT, and and then all of a sudden, like there's this massive noise and this ashtray remember back in the day when you could smoke in the bar and the ashtray was like 50 pounds and it was like you know thick and heavy right like he had thrown an ashtray across the entire bar that just missed my head like i don't know it would have probably like i don't know what it would have done knocked me off the stool for sure get me in the wrong spot who knows and he goes you're on my fucking machine he yells at me right so I thought he was kidding, right? So I, I still planned. Like, I, I, I didn't really know how close this ashtray was. And then another one comes, like this time in front of me. And he's still standing in the bar and he's staring me down like he's going to kill me, right? Like, I, it was, to me, I don't know how that sounds, like, to anyone listening. But to me, it was, like, so psychopathic, right? Like, that he, like, he was serious. I mean, yeah. he had too many beers in him. And he was throwing ashtrays at his teammate because I was playing his machine, like, and he had no idea where those ashtrays were going. Like, there's no way he was in a state of mind. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but that's the level, like, that's the level that guy would get to like that. And that's why I mean, like, when you're on the ice, too, is like, you never knew when that fuse was going to snap. And you didn't want to be close to it when he did. No, you're right. And, and you're knowing him after. It's funny, um, you know, so many, because he settled down in St. John's. That was, he retired. And then, you know, shortly after I was done with my ankle injury, I came back. He actually coached me in senior hockey for a bit, but we, we became good buddies. And he told me so much over the years. He's like, you know, I always liked you, and I, I knew I wasn't going to hurt you. But it, in other words, like permanently, 
right? But I mean, I'm yeah. like Bird, but you, you, you slap like I had to miss games because just he goes, well, if you're gonna go around me wide, of course I'm gonna slash you. But he's like, I knew I, I wasn't hurt hitting you to hurt you. I'm like, well, you did. But anyway, but isn't he became that crazy you know, that Gilly and Bird are both not with us anymore. That's isn't so it nuts. wild? Yeah, the, I mean, they were uh, more than veterans on that team that you, I mean, that you played on because the next season I went to play there, right? Yeah, and. So and I knew Gilly from Newfoundland anyway. So, uh, but two great characters of the game, if nothing else, characters of the game that you know we just don't have many of those guys anymore. And 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 as much for the on ice as the off ice. But uh, I know I'm talking a lot, but I I don't, I don't want to leave this without saying how much I respect Bird and that anybody who ever had any dealings with him off the ice for the most part, he's a big teddy bear that earned a lot of people's respect but on the ice for sure i think he would almost full-on agree with you there was a there was something squirrely in his brain yeah. and like if it went off it went off but yeah. ultimate teammate really even there. those guys that i said that he wouldn't have liked you know like he was in game time and you're wearing your same jersey as him he's got your back period every single time you know every. like he was definitely definitely the ultimate teammate in that regard um and yeah i i echo you like uh and and as far as like those two characters like i know that show that you're on and i apologize i've, I've never i've never seen it before but Sorry. like wouldn't they be great like cast like those like those two guys should have like there should have been a reality show around them those there you, two. well like, you know what that's room. a great that's a great comparison for those who want to know bird dog is the most shorzy like like the, so the main character of our show it's based around shorzy obviously the names of its name of it's shorzy but there are a lot. He's not as tough, Shorzy, but definitely as... And this is a fantasy world. Right? You know, he, he's not afraid to cross-check you in the face, but a right. good teammate. On the ice, I think everybody hates him. Ah, for those yeah. listening that have watched, yeah, it's definitely a comparable. Gilly, I think, is just like P Paul Bunyan. Like, he, you know, like he, he was always smirking. He couldn't skate worth a lick. He was like watching Bambi on ice, but he'd get the numbers, right? And you'd look and go like, fuck, 398 penalty minutes. Like, this guy's nuts. No, he just knew how to, you know, he knew how to do that. And he'd fall down and it'd be a yard sale and he'd grab <laughs> the goalie and four players and they'd be like, what? How are we? And it, it would always be this magic world of smoke and mirrors, but Gilly would come out of it with 25 goals and 300 minutes, man. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you you just nailed that. That's that's him. He had really quick, quick hands, a weird looking stick, and couldn't skate a lick, but uh, would uh, would somehow get the job done. And, and usually had people laughing along the way too. I don't want to let you go before asking this, and this is not the reason I have to add you on here. But you were coached by Mike Babcock. In my, not every story is terrible. I mean, some players were successful under him. I don't know. I'm thinking Dan Cleary. I've never asked Cleary about it. I don't, I'm not looking for a quote. I'm not trying to bury you on anything, but is there anything that stands out? Doesn't have to be bad. Like Mike Babcock coached against me and spoke all those years. I say to people, I'm like, if you told me the, all this weird stuff, like I had Michelle Terrian and there's similarities, but I didn't see that. But Babcock, I remember seeing outside the room one time and say, oh, are you going to give us a hard time again tonight? There was always a little bit of a joke. He seemed like... A nice enough guy. I met him in hallways over the years. You know, never anything more than something in passing. But Mike Babcock seemed to earn all my respect. He's a winner. I never really saw any of this. Until the Marner thing, I didn't really see any. Then I hear that he played Mike Medano 1,499 games without giving him the 1,500. I hear the Chelios story. I'm starting yeah. to go, wow, was, was my opinion of him a house of cards? Not that you got to tell me, but I don't know. He, he was a fairly successful coach in our division, and he coached you. How was it? 
Yeah, no, great, uh, great question. And he's super relevant right now. Um, I, I've, I've answered the question the same the whole time, right? Like I, I think, well, I don't think he was the best hockey coach that I played with for. Yeah. doesn't surprise yeah, me. You know, like now that doesn't mean like him and I didn't necessarily get along, um, which is kind of strange uh, in, in the sense that, you know, I mean, you've kind of vouched for, like, I was his guy that year, yeah. you know, like I, I was, I was the guy on that team and I never had any type of like, Hey, Pods, like, come on in, let's tell me how the team's doing. Or, you know what I mean? Like there was no relationship between him oh, and I zero, right? Like it was maybe the opposite. Like I was kind of almost felt like ostracized from him, but he was very, very detailed, always prepared, always professional. Um, I knew how to coach. Like his practices were great. He demanded like his standards were really high. Like from that standpoint, like from top to bottom, he 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 definitely got the job done. I could see why he was successful. Uh, where I will say, say like now, you mean retrospect? There was there was an arrogance, I'll say, you know, to him. You know, the, 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 there 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 was a little bit of an aloofness to him as well. So yeah. potentially, like it wasn't it it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like massively obvious at the WHL level, but I could see how that after Olympics, after a world cup, after a Stanley cup, you know what I mean? How he could have maybe started to really believe uh, in yeah. him, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had my, I mean, to Mike's point, and I'll tell you, you, you might, you might appreciate this story that we, we had a pretty good run there in Spokane. It was a really good run. Actually. We were, we were number one ranked team in the whole CHL my last year. And uh, going into the playoffs, and that was when we we faced Portland in in the first round, and we were down three nothing to Portland, who was the sixth seed that year. And uh, so, like I said, best team in 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 the, in the Canadian Hockey League is lost their first three games in a row, and then we find out at that point that no first seed had ever lost to a sixth seed. Period. Like not only even not got swept, but had never lost to a sixth seed in WHL history. And no team in WHL history had ever come back from being down three games to nothing. So, like, either way, we were making history, right? Well, yeah. One one very negatively or one positively. And it was after the third game that Mike, and again, like I told you, Babs never talked to me at all. And he called me out of the dressing room. And uh, I don't remember too much, honestly, about too much of my career. But I distinctively remember this. And, and he put his arm around me, which was totally not Babs, right? Like, he, walking down the hallway, puts his arm around me. And he says, Pods? He goes, you got to put this team on your back. I'm like, we need you right now. He goes, yeah. I need you. He had never said like, like that, like that vulnerability there for him was something that I never saw before. Wow. And him like saying to me, like he needs me was like, I don't know. It was like the most glorious thing ever for like a 19 year old. Yeah. And kind of like exactly what I wanted. And, uh, and yeah, we ended up like winning uh, game six and double overtime game seven and overtime. I scored 21 goals in 16 games that playoff. Like it was like, I was rolling um, so like Babs, I had my, like my best kind of personal probably hockey experience was, was under him, uh, in that environment. And, and yeah, but I mean, but the craziness that he's been doing and especially after like what he just, you know, he, he was exempt, exempt, he was, he was exiled for like four years and he comes back and he thinks it's a good idea to get into phones like that. To me, there is some type of an arrogance there that he can't even see through cause he's not dumb. Like he's not dumb he's at all. He's not dumb, right? man. He's not, I, I, I'd, I'd love to hear sorry i cut you off go 
No, no, I just mean like that, like just you, you can take the lead there. But like that, well, that to me is like saying something that there, there is something from a from an ego standpoint or something. And again, I'm outside looking at yeah, it. I don't man, know that you would story, know. but it just doesn't sound like it's wise in any way, shape or form. Right. That's why and, I find it hard. I mean, I got I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I believe it because it's been confirmed. But when I first heard it, I was like, OK. This is twisted. Like maybe he said, which is weird enough. I, I mean, to ask for pictures is weird, but maybe he came in and said, "Can you guys put something together? Like everybody take some pictures, or make some available, put them in privately into this reel, and we'll all watch it and be a team." I don't know. It's a little Adam hockey for a guy with so much experience. But I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe that's it. But then you start like if I said even once if he asked for that phone, and like. To, to go through it in any way on his own or anybody from the team that invaded privacy, then he's right. And, and I mean, that's what he decided to do. To me, that's like a 10 on the 1 to 10 chart. What not to do? He came back saying he was rehabbed and everything. And I mean, again, a guy like me, a hockey guy that got no reason not to believe it, I, I'm like, okay. Like, he's clearly, he might get mad. Like, in the moment, people like that, I can see in the fuck, and like saying something after a loss, and oh, oh I went. But he orchestrated this no that was planned yeah i mean that was strategic that was his way to like you know yeah i mean it sounds like that was the way he was going to build his team about the type of people that he has in his locker room right so weird and by the way so you guys went three rounds that year right yeah so you know this so that's a record by the way in the in the western division and i the next year had 18 and 16 games and i got the three round record for the eastern division now, someone could have changed, done it since. I'm not sure, but I remember them telling me that after it was all said and done. And I went on Elite Prospects like maybe two years ago, and I don't think anybody – like we're in the top – like say the – it'll say top goals ever in the playoffs in the WHL, right? Yeah. And like – whereas I think in the regular season, like someone – I think Ray Ferraro had like 108. It's completely yeah. not achievable. We had great years, my best, I guess, 50. You know, unreal year, but I'm not coming close to that. Um, but – for some reason, like the number one is like, I don't know who it is. It's someone that could like build Gerlago or someone who came like a little yeah. bit before us that had like 28. I thought yeah, it'd be no, like, no, no, yeah. And, I and you, you had, man. I, someone yeah. sent me that the other day. I don't know if it's elite prospects or what, or there's some, there's some site that keeps track of all that. And, um, and yeah, I mean like that, I think yeah. 21, that the 21 that I had, I think is like third all time. It's third. It's like, we're, we're both in the top 10 yeah. and I'm going, we didn't make the fucking final. Right. Well, you know? we made the final year because there was a buy. So I, we we lost to Brandon in okay. in, uh, in well, five. Well, same thing. Yeah. Three rounds. Yeah. <laughs> Three rounds. Sixteen games. Three, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I know. It's kind of crazy, right? Which and is nice sh- for people. I was going to say people. that. Like for like for for me now, like whatever. Right. I mean, at the time, you don't even really know what you're doing, and nobody really cares anymore at all, which is fine. But my kids do. Yeah. You know, like Hudson totally. saw that. Right. He's like, oh my god, dad, that's like wow. You know, like, and especially when. Uh, Oh, you know what? You'll love this one. Uh, so when Connor Bedard just scored, he had 10 goals in a playoff series. Yeah. That was, I believe, the first time since, or the second time since I did it. Like, I guess, like, to do, to score 10 in a round is bonkers. And that, you, mean, you don't even really realize that you did it. If I did that against Kamloops, I had whatever it was, I think 12 or 11 in, in six games or something. 
And so Bedard did it. So it kind of made it relevant again, right? And I, I told Huddy, he's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, but he was 17 and I was 19. So there is a big difference there, too. But still, you know, and I know what you're saying, but it is. I And at that time, I remember that going in one ear and out the other. Yeah. I'm like, okay, who who's ever going to know? It looks good, though. The amount of goals I got looks good on Hockey DB or whatever eventually on yeah. my resume. Uh, you know, but it was all about other things, you know, making it and, and, and yeah. living and adapting to adulthood and so much more. And when I look back, I'm like, that's one of the things, you know, having that good three-round record, it's a record for the Red Deer Rebels, you know, where I played and having a quite the splendid history about them now. Us, So, yeah, I, I take those things years later and I find it much easier to appreciate them now. A lot of people aren't the, a lot of people appreciate it at the moment and then like throw the medal away or you know years yeah. later don't even talk about it. There's guys that we've played with and against that I to each their own, but you wouldn't even know that they played hockey if you look at their Instagram or, or their social media, <laughs> yeah. no, you know? know. But there's a connection that uh, you love about the game and so do I. How hey, far do you think them? I'm going to hijack your interview for a second. It's so, all right. like, Brad Larson was from Vernon, right? right? So, the previous coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, I remember. I played buddy with of Brad. Mine, right? Like, I can call him. I shouldn't say, like, we're tight or whatever. But whatever. Got on my phone. You know, he's been on my podcast. Good dude. And, like, a really, really respected coach who did a fantastic job in year one. And in year two, they kind of fell off the rails a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, he kind of went under fire for that. So, he gets fired. They bring in Babs, who doesn't even make the season. Like, my question yeah. to you is, like, should the GM be gone? Like, isn't that a terrible hire at this point? I think so. And given that knowing what, again, it was weird when it happened, let alone now that all that happened on top of what happened happened. But when I heard that hire, I thought it was odd. And here's the other thing. It's 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 not ironic's not the word, but a, a real obvious uh, contradiction or, or dichotomy, because I played with Brad. He was my captain on the under eighteen, under seventeen, all that stuff. BC's best ever. You know, I was in Quinnell, yeah. so I, I I played a lot with Brad, and then we were in Hershey together. Like, so I I've got experience, and that guy, I knew he was going to be a captain slash coach slash brass when we were fucking 14, like as soon as I met him, I'm like, okay, I mean, we're all trying to be the best. I went third overall in the dub draft. I remember going to that thing, you know, wanting to be the best and thinking maybe, you know, in my head, I'm ahead of certain, what I'm trying to say is that I don't know if he was necessarily the best. He was one of them. I'm not saying I was better, but in my mind I was, but he, like what I knew, I didn't know much about captain. I knew Ray Redden's pretty good or sorry, the, 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 the the players, I can look and see he was good, but I knew he was going to be a captain. I knew it. I knew it. He was that kind of guy in the room and always there and almost genuine to the point of, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you putting on for the coach? Or, like, is someone else here? Like, are you really this nice and this much of a leader? So to go from that, who I assume was a player's coach, to Babcock must have been, like, night and day. I don't know. Yeah, no, Um, and I think that you're – yeah, I totally hear what you're saying with with Lars because like he he was a professional before he even any one of us knew what a professional was supposed to be. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he he was always wired that way and was always a guy that worked for every ounce that he got. And you know, he'd be the first one to tell you that he wasn't the most skilled guy. But like, you know, I, I love his one quote on on mine was uh, who who came up to him? I think it might have been Torts. Or no, he played. Who's that? He played for Hartley, Hartley in uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, Lars, you ever played center before?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, lots." He goes, "I never played center in my life." 
<laughs> but he's like, I wasn't going to tell Hearts that. He's yeah, like, I wanted, yeah. you know, I wanted the opportunity. But so he was just that kind of guy, right? Like that just would would say yes to everything and do the best that he could do. And you know, there wasn't a second in the day where he wasn't trying to, you know, get his game better or his, you know, his 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 strength or whatever. You know, he was always working on something. And I think that, you know, again, I never was in a locker room with him as him being the head coach, but. uh but boy, you know, I, I think he he treated those guys like men. I think his standards were firm and fair, and uh, and anything that he'd ask you to do, he'd already done himself. I guarantee you that. So I, I hope he gets another shot somewhere because I think he did a really good job there and um, and kind of got let go a little bit early. I think uh, I think he worked so hard, and he was such a two way like imposing hitter, and like he was such a hard worker that. He he was almost an underrated scorer because of that. Like he he wasn't terrible with his hands. He was just going so fast sometimes. And you know he was a great on the forecheck. I remember getting playing with him a little bit in under seventeen. I think it was in Quebec. I'm like fuck, man. This guy's great to play with. The other guys see the ice, but he's gonna clean anybody out first. He's first on the forecheck, and a puck is probably gonna come to me at some point. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm we went over again. I appreciate it. Just a couple more questions, and I'll have you on your on your way. Um, speaking of leaders and captains, you I looked at your hockey team event. You played with some crazy leaders. Not every leader is captain or even assistant, but does anything stand out? Who are some great leaders that you played with? I mean, it's hard to ask someone who played so long with so many. I know. For me, who stood out to you at, looking start. at my DB? What's that? Who stood out to you looking at my DB? Like who were the ones that, that caught your eye? Uh, well, first of all, there's the Spokane Chiefs. So, so you'd have to have, for me, like one of the most agile players. I hated doing bull in the ring with Valerie Bure. I was like, holy fuck! Like you know when they go and practice and make you do the bull in the ring. Yeah. You know, again, a very specific skill. But he was incredible. I used to go, they used to put me and Brad Brown against him and uh, Saku Koivu, right? Yeah. But he was just so agile. Then you've got there's another pro. He was like you, he was working out Russian style, like he was being he was trying to get the NHL before. Like he was doing yeah, fucking back now, plyometrics. Like, I should have followed, followed him around all yeah, over the place. That's I know. All I should have done. <laughs> I remember him doing plyometrics, going what? And we had trainers that are like squats and everything. And like I say to people. People act like we didn't work out. I remember working out. I remember distinctly working out. I remember going to World Junior Camp with you. Remember we couldn't do like fucking four pull-ups or something? Um, <laughs> it was like pull-ups and then sit-ups. And, but it was part of the program. It just wasn't as specific yeah. or well thought out. And I remember going, man, my knees are hurting from that. And he'd be jumping, jumping, jumping. He would run. We'd work out. And then he'd run the Molson Center, man, run the stairs. And then jump them like two at a time. And he was doing all that shit really, really early. Yeah. Hey, and lo and behold, him and Pavel were unbelievable skaters. Yeah. Um, no, you were in. God, uh, you know who's a two-way player that I, I, I think would have been a good leader, but I don't know. Played in Tri Cities, Bill Lindsay. I noticed he played with you in Florida. I forgot about that guy. You know what? Well, that whole, yeah, that that whole team was special. Like it was actually fun to see Florida make their run this year because it really revitalized that whole area, you know, and I ended up having yeah. to your point, Bill Lindsay came on my podcast during that run who now covers, covers the team. Uh, I also had Scott Tinkler who was our, who was our equipment manager uh, during that run. Cause I was, I was there that whole time. Like I was a black ace. So I was supposed to play against Boston. And then it was there the whole time I was on the ice. You know what I mean? When, when we knocked out Pittsburgh and had the t-shirt on the hats, right? Like standing at the igloo. And so definitely a memorable time and like, well, crazy time, right? First year pro just out of, 
the WHL and get to experience that run all the way to the final and and the rats coming down and Scott Tinkler told that story of, of the rats and uh, like right from you know where, where the origin story of that was but but that team right like people I was what 96 I think yeah I think it was 96 like that team wasn't supposed to be there, right? You I mean like it, it wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. Beezer got really, really hot and played unbelievable, which is a whole nother conversation because he was like five ten, five nine, and he wouldn't even be able to be allowed in the NHL right now. Yeah. Because he's too short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I we should actually talk about that. But anyway, so Beezer was unbelievable, shuts down Mario, get to the final. But that team, like Brian Scrooge was the captain of that team. And Screwy was probably the best captain that I had seen or been around since. And and one of the ones that maybe you wouldn't. That's why I asked you kind of who you who you saw. Like I don't know how how recognized he is in that in that sense. I mean, I think he is for guys who played at him, but I'm not sure if like the media really recognized him. I don't you know, think I mean, they the do. Fan, it's guys right? like that 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 got me thinking because I looked and there was so many names from the past that I'm like, oh, I forgot that. And you know, this guy had great attributes and you know, he seemed everybody talks about him like he was a good leader and you know, guys like Scott Thornton from my side, like, you know, kind yeah. of that really had an impact on me, but you kind of forget about them, or a lot of yeah. people do. I don't mean that as an insult. Yeah, no, Scott, like, so Screwy was unbelievable. I mean, he was just one of those, he wasn't the star. And I think that's what really, like, what really kind of gave that team that identity, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having your star Fucking be the captain. Nice. Sometimes they're great captains, but sometimes they're not. They're just the star. I mean, yeah. you've seen that before, too, right? Like, they're just the best player in the team, so the team decides to give them the give them the C. Um, Screwy wasn't that. Like, Screwy was the captain. He was not the best player. He wasn't even close to the best player. But he was the captain, right? He was a long-tenured vet. He knew how to get a room going. He knew how to make everyone feel included and wanted. He had a charisma to him. Uh, he was great with the community. He worked his absolute ass off all the time. You know, like he was just one of those guys that you wanted to be like as a human. And I think like that's to me, like those guys and even what I do now, like I try to be that example personally. And I try to also like teach that to the players like God, like that is where the juice is. That's where the secret is. Right. Like if you can be that guy authentically. Right. Like not only do you get more opportunity, but you have much more longevity. You have more respect. Like there's all these things that happen with being a guy like Brian Scruton. I think that he's just an awesome example of what I kind of envision like a, a hockey player being like a pro hockey player being like, you know, dude, you know what? It's a great fucking answer. It's a great answer. I've, I've forgotten. I skipped over his name looking at it, but uh, he comes on alumni trips with us, so I know Screwy pretty well at this point. Great fella, and he has that. Like he's, even though it's alumni trips, I can see kind of how he was captain. Like you know, we get there, he's that. Okay, boys, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go over here first, then we're gonna meet at this bar. We're gonna have some beers. They might have wings there. If not, we'll just get the meal after, and then we're good for the game. And afterwards, we're going here. He's that every time, yeah. right? And 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 loves telling the stories. Loves to be around the room. He shoot uh, so, checked the mayor of Peterborough at camp one year. It was the funniest thing. Like he was that kind of guy too, right? So yeah. the mayor of Peterborough at the time must have been 104 years old. Like I swear, <laughs> the guy like could barely even get around. And so we shoot. He not we. He shoot checks this guy right. And so we're all clanking. There's a big like, you know, guest stage, and all these people are there at this dinner. And then this old mayor like has sour cream on his shoe, and like 
you know, like screw you just do, like there was, there was no limits for him. Like if, if it was about making somebody laugh or having a good time, like he was, he was that guy and he did it really well. It was fun. A, uh, a Montreal Canadian that ended up being captain with a, a similar role. Like Mike Keane, I always thought these guys are like the same. They're, they they came from the same team with a similar kind yeah. of reputation, not the absolute best, but unreal. That you'll get everything. They'll maximize their potential, and they're great NHLers. Yeah. And they ended up being captain of other teams and going on to have crazy careers outside. Well, how about here's another name from that whole team, Brent Gilchrist, who was on my pod and won a cup Brent, with them. Brent like Gilchrist. He, he, he like well, you I mean yeah, I don't I mean you you can speak to it too. He just said like that era of the canadians and like being there from like the ushers to the janitors to like there was just it was about winning period you know i mean and he said that he learned how to win there like he learned what it was all about to be like a true pro and how to and how to win and he said the culture was like nothing else that he ever did and he took that with him to detroit he took that with him to dallas and he said like that experience there in montreal and the guys that he was around allowed him to be the player and the leader that he was everywhere else. Fuck, man. That's a great answer. I wasn't thinking that you were going to come up with something so specific and detailed, but uh, those are great leaders and great stories. Jay Poe, it's great to have you on again. Do you have anything to promote or anything to say before we leave? And uh, for this particular episode, I'm oh, sure no, I'll be man. seeing well, you in a few months. Opportunity, man. I think we've already kind of we talked about up my hockey. I got my own podcast. Anyone out there? It's uh you know, we kind of get into the the journey, I guess, maybe a bit more than TR does. Yeah. I mean, TR is yeah. more current. I'm like kind of an episode you can listen to two years ago, and you know, it's 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 maybe relevant today just Love because it. it's yeah. uh, it's about the lessons learned and everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got that on the go. And and if you got a hockey player somewhere that's playing the game and wants to invest in their mindset, that's something that I do and work with players all over North America with my uh, program called the Peak Potential Hockey Project, which uh, helps with the personal development and mindset side of the game. So upmyhockey.com. I couldn't recommend uh, a better route for uh, any kid coming up. Uh, any, it doesn't have to be pro either. You're just you're a great teacher, always been involved in the game, and you really articulate your thoughts well, man. I like listening to you. I don't listen to every pod. I got a lot to do. But I listen to some, and uh, I love what you're doing. Good luck with everything, Jason, and thank you once again for being a guest on Tales Good luck at the Chicklets Cup, man. Bring it, bring home gold this time. I hope so. Well, we'll find out. I leave at 8 in the morning with uh, my old man and a few buddies in tow, and we're going to go up there and see what we can do. <laughs> you really put TR, a senior, on the map. I love it. He's a totally a part of everything. That's a great, great brand. I think that's fantastic. He loves every minute, Pods. I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, for sure. Cheers, buddy. Good to see Cheers. you. Cheers. We'll see you soon. Okay, folks, that's been episode 173B with Jason Padolan, my old buddy. If you're downtown St. John's, you want to grab a beer, why not go to the Bull and Barrel? Why not go to Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, the Martini Bar, and Green Sleeves. If you want a bite to eat, go to Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and Wedgwood Cafe. Wedgwood Cafe also offering catering. Talk to Peter Wedgwood, Wedgwood Cafe. If you want to build up your strength your body, and your mind. Look no further than Rope Walk Lane, Power Conditioning, Ryan Power, Power Conditioning, Strength and Balance for the Body and Mind. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations right here in St. John's, Newfoundland. One is in Torbay Road. One's on Kem Mount Road. Live, laugh, lube! Pitbull Pain Relief, the pain sticks that just don't quit. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com and see what all the hype is about. And, of course, True Hockey Takes What's Yours. 
Uh, I will be seeing Corey Gregory and the True Hockey guys and girls in Buffalo. Hopefully all you can be there to see it. Whoever's in the area, come on by. Riverworks, Buffalo. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be leaving at 8 in the morning. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon and catch you on The Rebound.